This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. At the United States Postal Service, we deliver fast and affordably for small biz, big box, large scale, wholesale, retail, B2B, B2C, ASAP. USPS, delivering for America. Learn more at usps.com slash delivering. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and in this episode, I'll be once again talking to Simon Peach, who's the chief football writer for the Press Association. Simon also happens to be a Southampton supporter. He's on to share his thoughts on Southampton ahead of this match against Fulham. This is our view of the opposition show, which is our preview for the upcoming match. I look forward to doing this show, and as always, talking to Simon, but before I do anything, I have to welcome him back to the show. He was just here. Simon, welcome back to Cottage Talk. Always nice to be on. How are you doing there, my friend? We were just talking off air. You're a little bit under the weather. Yeah, well, that's what a stag do uh, for five or six days in, in Lebanon will do to a man. But I should also use this as my work for the Lebanese Tourist Board to highly recommend Beirut. It's uh, a lot better, nicer, and safer than a lot of people think. I'm glad that you said that because I, I actually saw some of your pictures of that. So so thank you for sharing that. I, it's... Uh, very interesting that you said that I saw that, and uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that, my friend. Yeah, no, I'd recommend going. Um, it's a fascinating place. I felt quite ignorant when I was there, actually, like all the all the details that I didn't know and you, you things you pick up on TV about countries like that. But, um, yeah, it is still on the border of Syria, uh, but it, it is, uh, it's a nice place. I'd recommend it. Okay, excellent. All right, my friend, let's get into this. Let's start with talking about Southampton, and let's go to – Talking about what's been happening in Southampton since these two clubs first met. Obviously, new manager. We talked about that when you were on talking about Manchester United. But 
Let's talk about what's been going on with Southampton since the first time. Well, quite a lot, really. Um, I should. I think I might have done on the last show thanked Fulham for beating us um, that game. Uh, I know things haven't gone to plan for you guys since that match, but for us, it really it was the catalyst uh, for Mark Hughes' exit, timely exit. Um, there was an immediate, not maybe not an immediate, but uh, things improved markedly uh, over the new year. Uh, things have gone awry a bit. There's still the old, the same nagging issues, uh, and due to the the points elsewhere uh, of, of rival teams and, and things like that, Saints still find themselves in the relegation zone. But it feels like they're one or two good results away from the positivity returning, or maybe just one result. And I've got to say, I think the uh, the Fulham matches come to be the biggest match of our season uh, at, at the moment. Okay, excellent there. Simon, it's funny because we were talking about Hughes and you were talking about, well, what will happen if they have a new manager? So let's talk about the new manager because there's been a little bit more than just that new manager bounce. There's been a change with Southampton. There has been. I've got to say, in the wake of the Arsenal game, it's been the first kind of signs of not dissatisfaction, but just questions over Ralph Hasnettle. Um I still fully believe in him. I think he's done an amazing job and it's been underappreciated quite how much he's had to change both in terms of style of play, defensive organisation, getting this striker scoring, which is, I mean, that's every key facet of the game really that I've just described there. And he's had to basically press reset in January when, with wholesale changes. The squad has had too much dead weight around its neck for a long time uh, and he was bold enough to get rid of that. But then the problem is Southampton didn't make any acquisitions and they were intending to. Um, his, his trust in young players over older players, uh, older backup players, I should say, uh, I, I've raised concerns about from the start just because I think this is a bit of a strange or a bit of a bold time to do it. Um, but yeah, look, things have fallen off a bit. The Saints have been the nearly team so many times this season. Um, they should have got a point at Cardiff. They should have beaten Burnley the week before. Um, it's just you could go through the whole season. We drew at home with Palace. We, it, it's just it feels like one step forward, two steps back a bit at the moment. But I guess that's only to be expected when the guy whose process and mentality is all about physical output and obviously tactics, but the physical output is key to that. And they've not had a preseason, and he's coming at Christmas. That's always going to be tough, right? Uh, very good there, and it's just uh, very interesting how things have turned since uh, you got rid of uh, Hughes, and uh, I can't say the same thing for form. We'll be talking about them in just a bit. But back to Southampton, because there's a player that I think Fulham missed out on, and, and uh, it's credit to Southampton for holding on to him, but Fulham missed Matt Target. Simon, your thoughts about Matt Target, because there are two players that I think Fulham have Really missed. Um, and they're both fullbacks. I think they miss Ryan Fredericks. I also think they miss Matt Target because fullback, both of them have been a weakness. Well, like me, Matt Target is a Southampton fan that grew up in a nearby town called Eastleigh. So I've always kept an eye on him and his progress. Um, and I've got to know him relatively well, I guess you could say, um, from covering the England t- under-21s when he was playing for them and Southampton. Um, so I've got to see a lot of him, a lot more than a lot of people did when he moved to Fulham. And I think I told the club official website that he would he he would do well. 
uh, and I was right. <laughs> I have to be, even a broken clock's right twice a day. Um, I, I think Fulham deserve credit for taking his game on. He's come back to Southampton a more mature, better player. There's still questions over him, but I guess that's because the his, his rival for left back is Brian Bertrand, a Champions right. League winner, a England slash or anything like that. But his injuries have allowed us some game time. Uh, Ralph Hassel clearly trusts him. He selected target over Bertrand at Arsenal the other day. Um, yeah, he's a good player. Uh, from what I understand, um, Fulham were told a price in the summer, quite an ex- quite a high price, I guess, in the current market. That's what players are going for, certainly English players, homegrown players. Uh, and Fulham did reach it, but just the penultimate day of the transfer window, which is too late for Southampton to hire a replacement, whether that be a loan or permanent. So I think if Fulham had put in that offer a week or two before um, the deadline, then he would be a Fulham player right now. And who knows how our seasons would look. That hurts, Simon. But that's the business. You know, if you uh, basically you're going back and forth, you're negotiating, and uh, sometimes it could be too late. And in this instant, you're telling me it was too late. It's too bad because I, I would like to have seen – what Fulham have would have looked like with Matt Target, I think he would have made a, a big difference. That's how high uh, I am on him. I would also say, though, that Fulham, well, some of these signings haven't gone particularly well. But I think Fulham proved that they're now getting deals done on that deadline day. Yep. But just some were too hard to pull off, just as they were in January. Sure. Um, I personally like to see t- teams set up quicker, um, but that just wasn't to be. So, and we've all seen how things have panned out, sadly, at Fulham this season. Yeah, it's not panned out well at all, my friend. All right, let's go back and let's talk about the first time the teams met. You've already said this is really the turning point for Southampton, which I find interesting. So is that what you learned from this? This is where Southampton basically bottomed out and then moved away from Mark Hughes and everything has gone up since then. Well, it's, it, <laughs> it's, it's gone up in terms of style. Uh, but not really in terms of position, right? Um, sadly, um, yeah. Look, we're Saints enter this midweek games 18th in the, in the table. That's not a stark improvement. <laughs> but for anyone that watches them, uh, the, the stars improve. There's a there's a cohesion. Uh, the the good players are playing well. The bad players have been shipped out. You'll remember us when I came on the show before that game, and I predicted that Wesley Hoot would be at fault for the for a crucial goal. Oh, you got it right. Bar. And look. <laughs> It didn't take much joy in getting it right. It was just that <laughs> obvious, and the manager wasn't making the change. So Wesley Hoot has didn't get looking, didn't even get a sniff under Hassan Hall. It was loaned straight out to Celta Vigo, who have an option to buy him permanently. Saints have written that off as a bad job. Um, they were the kind of movements that are impressive. He shored things up a little bit. Um, he's got the midfield fighting. James Wood Prowse has gone back to the play. He looked like when he was he, he got an England call up. Likewise, Nathan Redmond, he's he's come on leaps and bounds. He's a, he's a, probably Saints, well, he's Saints' best player right now. And 13, 14 months ago, he's being booed by his own fans. So he's he's done a lot of good things. I just the squad's just a bit shallow, uh, a bit naive, and maybe just a bit weather beaten. That that the confidence must be all over the place. Right after two or three years of well, under Claude Puel not enjoying the football under Mauricio Pellegrino, not getting good, not being successful, Mark Hughes, that that fight to just get over the line and 
just getting over and then tailing off again. It's it's been a bit of a grind. Um, but look, I like I do like what Hassan Hutl is doing. I just I just hope that a positive result comes around soon enough. Okay, let me ask you because you brought up his name. What are your thoughts about the sacking of Claude Puel? Uh, at Leicester? Um, yes. Well, I don't take great joy in anyone losing their job, to be honest, but I told Leicester fans, what well, I remember you sat from Southampton, everyone went, oh, you know, you you got to a cup final, you finished eighth. Um, what award do you want? Well, do you know what? You've got to dig a little bit deeper than that to actually find out the reasons. Um Maybe the I, I still think there was a the right decision to get rid of him. I just think it was the wrong reason to then make the fans think that every time they say sack him, they should sack him. That's just I think the Southampton fans felt empowered. So Mauricio Pellegrino's job was a uh, was Mauricio Pellegrino was on hiding to nothing, as was Mark Hughes when things took a downturn. Because there's no way of coming back up. Hasn't hasn't lost the fans yet. That's the key. He's got them on side. Um, but I I question his selections as substitutions, or rather, when I say selections, his rotation policy, um, how he doesn't focus on the Cups. I know we reached the Cup final, but I think that was in spite of him rather than because of him. Uh, he doesn't... It, and It's such a shallow thing, but he... In it, we're in the era of the personality manager, Jürgen Klopp. Um, whoever you look at, Ranieri is a personality manager. Yeah. Um, and he comes into a press conference grumbling, look, this guy speaks more uh, one more language. Some would argue two more languages than I do. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crucify him for that. But can you imagine being in a dressing room with him and he's trying to fire you up? I just I just footballers need to be. It's all about man management now as much as tactics, right. and I just don't think he had that. Okay, very good there, Simon. All right, I mentioned this to you earlier in the season. We went through strengths and weaknesses of WhoScored.com. I'm not going to do that this time. I'm just curious right now. Under the new manager, where do you see the strengths and weaknesses heading into this match? Where do we start? Um, uh, I, I think for for Southampton, the strengths are the, um, the midfield. Um, I, I like the midfield. Uh, James Ward-Prowse looks excellent. Hoybjerg is a is a very good player. Um, you've actually got talented options in the midfield now. Uh, Mario Lamina was playing the Champions League final in 2017 for Juventus, uh, and he's not really done it for us uh, at the moment. But he, I'm not sure he's going to be available this time. But then you've got Oriol right. Romeu, you've got Callum Slattery coming through, he's good. We have, we have good options. Uh, I think at fullback, we have good left sided options. The, the aforementioned Matt Target and obviously Ryan Birch. And on the right hand side, I, I, as much as I dislike Cedric Suarez's attitude, um, He's a good player. He was an elite-level fullback, and he's been replaced by two teenagers or very young academy players. So that's a little bit of concern. Um, in terms of weaknesses, we don't score enough goals, uh, and we our heads drop. So uh, yeah, up front, I'm a little bit concerned as to Redmond. Very, very good. But other than that, when you, the injuries are bit in a bit at the moment, right? Um, where where the goals going to come from? I was just about to ask you about that because I saw that that you're dealing with injuries. We're talking about injury to Danny Ings, Michael Obafemi, and um, there's a possibility Shane Long, I was reading, might be involved again. Well, uh, if Shane Long could score, that would be nice. Um, (laughs) 
Look, I, I, there's a lot of people actually at Southampton, that, uh, a lot of Southampton fans, should I say rather, that um, don't rate Shane Long at all. And I defend him because I think he's a nuisance factor, but he needs to play with someone else. Sadly, yeah. there aren't really that options to play up with him at the moment. Obafemi came on at half time against Arsenal, came off 20 minutes later with a recurrence of a hamstring injury. So it doesn't sound good from what Hasenhut said, but it's just part of the growing issues that he's having. Danny Ings uh, was always going to be an injury concern throughout this whole season, and sadly that's continued. Um, and then you're going to be relying on Charlie Austin, who is a great goal scorer, but is immobile uh, by comparison to Ings, who's a pressing forward, uh, and Redmond, whose pace obviously gets behind. So perhaps not, I guess one of the negatives against him is he hasn't found a way of uh, admittedly, he hasn't got all the pieces of the puzzle available to him, sure. but finding a way of getting his strike is effectively being a threat. Okay, very good. As we look forward to this match, key players, you, it sounds like you're talking about, if I'm reading between the lines, that the key for you is in midfield. Yeah, the key's for me in midfield, and, and then how they feed, both how they protect the back five and how they how they feed the whoever, whatever dynamic he chooses up front. Look, Ward Prowse is someone that I've rated for a very long time. Uh, someone for, for five or six years ago I was saying would be a future England captain. I'm not sure he'll be a future England captain anymore, yeah. but I think he'll be a future England midfielder, as in more than one cap that he already has. Um, what hasn't Hitler has done is put aggression into his game. Uh, he's he's a nice boy from a nice school. I was going to say a nice area, but he's from Portsmouth, so I can't say that. But he's he's, he's a well-raised guy. Um, it may be too nice. He's got that aggression into him. He, he, he's he got a bit of that edge to him now, and that's really good to see. It seems to have taken his game up. Romero had a bad season last season, but he's an excellent player. Um, he came through the Barcelona Academy. He's a solid defensive midfielder. Um, uh, and Hoiberg, who Pep Guardiola loved when he was at Bayern Munich, he didn't eventually break through and make an impact at Bayern Munich, but he's a talented player, and he's basically uh, in Southampton's captain in all but name. Um, he wears his armband now and again, but he kind of gets handed around a bit. It, it, there's not like a definitive captain at the moment. I like him. Uh, and then, yeah, if you can feed the forwards and protect the back line, which they should be able to, uh, better, but they, they, they've got the ability. Okay, very good there, Simon. All right, coming up next, I'm going to be asking Simon his thoughts on form. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, Summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Okay, Simon, let's get back into this. Let's now talk about form. You were at the match against Manchester United at Craven Cottage. I know you enjoyed your return. I know you wanted to come back. So what did you make of form? We have to start right there from you seeing them in person. Uh, well, I was a little bit shocked. <laughs> um, I'd seen gradual improvements under Randy area, obviously around Christmas time. You get overwhelmed with matches and analysis, and it's hard for me, my bread and butter is following Manchester United's every cop spit and splutter and supporting Southampton. You don't get to see as much as everything else, but there were some interesting articles that you've thrown my way before that game and I was reading them and 
got a better understanding of, of where Fulham were at. So I went into, and that, I was going to say the nice walk to the stadium, but it would have been nice if there wasn't a park run going on. I was dodging people every time I, everywhere I walked. Um, but I was genuinely shocked at just how bad Fulham were. Because uh, I said to you before yep. uh, that I thought you guys doing enough, they need to stay up. And on paper, you do. I don't think anyone, you've got a squad that should be mid-table. Right. Maybe not safe mid table, but um but that the round pegs and the square holes and uh I've been saying it Simon to him blue in the face. The, <laughs> and the lack of cohesion uh, <laughs> I just see that I thought seeing Fulham at that stage of the season, there's no excuse. Doesn't matter if you've had two managers for that performance. Look, I thought Fulham started quite bright well they did start quite brightly. They did. Uh, there was the cross to the far post should have done better but it was like when Le Marchand came out I think it was only eight minutes in he brought the ball out from the back <laughs> and got tackled and United countered and that was like the facade of confidence just dropped and it just went out. right down Simon and it just it disappeared at the click of a finger um, and when Pogba scored it was because they were so scared of Martial getting onto his right foot well that's fine but you also have the guy who was the most expensive player in the world not so long ago making a run just behind the defence. Of course, it was a great finish. Of course, Rico could have done better. But that then sets the tone. Then Martial, I mean, Martial's goal was brilliant, but the defence... Oh, it was. Well, just the tracking was pathetic. Just knock this guy down, yep. take the yellow card, take one for your team, uh, and the game was dead. So United went into cruise control, didn't they? And they... Uh, yeah, look. Indecision over goalkeepers this season, indecision over the centre backs, uh, not being to fulfil the full back positions properly, not being able to get the best out of your midfielders, no matter how talented they are. You've got a great striker, but you don't give them enough service. So, I mean, all of that combined is why Fulham are in this mess. And, yeah. Uh, and it's sad because this was supposed to be. I, I was so excited to see Fulham this season. You, you just, you just fade, you faded away, haven't you, sadly? It's He'll been still be re- Southampton because that's what happens. But <laughs> <laughs> We'll see on that. But what's sad about this, Simon, you know, you, you're someone that obviously covered Fulham and I've, I'm a fan. It's just hard to watch the demise of football club in front of your eyes. And you talked about the talent. It's there. It is totally there. But there are so many issues within that talent, getting it to play to where you need it to be. And uh, that's going to lead me to ask you about, Ranieri, because uh, everyone has a piece of the blame when you talk about this season. So I want your thoughts on him. You, you've already mentioned square pegs and round holes. I totally agree with that. But I think some of those problems are with his decisions. Yeah, look, it's hard to see Ranieri being in charge at the start of next season. I mean, it's hard to see him being the start in charge of the, at the next, start of next month if you guys lose at Southampton on Wednesday because he was brought in to steady the ship. He hasn't done that. He's been brought in to bring an upturn in results. He hasn't done that. He's been there to bring in an upturn in uh, victories and everything else. There's not many columns where there's been a marked improvement, if any columns. There just hasn't been that bounce. Ranieri's done an incredible job and should go down as one of the best managers in Premier League history for what he did with Leicester. Um, uh, that was, he walked into a situation there, which was a once in a lifetime situation, and he was brilliant. He's walked into this situation, uh, and there just isn't the same 
time to, to prepare the squad. There isn't the same ability within the squad or abilities in terms of what you can get out of them. It, it's just, it just doesn't, it, has, it hasn't been a good fit. Yeah. Um, it, to be I fair, totally when agree. I saw the appointment, I, my eyebrows were raised. Gen, like, uh, my, my, gen, my first reaction to a Premier League winning manager coming in was, oh, okay. Uh, but obviously there was that initial upturn. Who am I to say what's a, what's a bad appointment, a good appointment? I didn't think Javi Grasco was going to be particularly good at Watford. Um, uh, <laughs> and look at Gary Lineker when he went into Leicester. He was like, "What really, Claudio Ranieri? Obviously done very well. But it just it felt like a peculiar... Other than the fact that he lived nearby, I wasn't really sure on what grounds he was, he was hired. Um, he, he, his last job with Nantes didn't go particularly well. Um, and yeah, look, I would have liked a younger dynamic coach uh, yeah. in my club. Um, yeah, it's a strange one. As I've said on previous shows, Fulham have so many good people working in that club and I know how much of a slog it has been to get back. And I'm also aware from my friends at Sport Fulham just how special last season was. Oh, um, so this has been an anticlimax of gargantuan proportions. Um, but unlike other clubs that I've seen uh, have similar issues over the years, I don't think it's for the lack of good people. I just think it's been some some poor decision-making, sadly. See, I agree with you, Simon. And uh, I've said this about the recruitment. I don't have any problem with them being ambitious. I just don't think they brought in the right players, and that's simple, you know. I, th- I think it's more, in my humble opinion, that they brought in too many. Okay. Um, so look at QPR when they came up. They made some signings under Warnock, then Tony Fernandez came in and completed a takeover, and they signed Sean Wright Phillips and all these different people. Well, what they did is they lost the momentum. They lost that cohesion that got them up there in the first place. They tried to, they did try to build Rome in a day, uh, and ultimately. We've seen what happened. happened. I'm not talking about financial comparisons or right. anything like that, but it just didn't work because the glue that brought everyone together. Look at Bournemouth. They've still got a defence from the Championship or League One because, and that's allowed them to build. They will need to replace them sooner rather than later, but they kept that group together and, and, and walked before they could run. I, I think on paper, the signings still look good. Maybe not Anguissa. I know they do. Um, <laughs> Maybe not Fabry. I mean, I don't really understand the point of bringing him in and then Rico and then playing Bettinelli after a while. That's confused me. Some of the other signings don't look as good. Maybe Le Marchand will come good, but uh, from what I've seen, I've not been particularly blown away by him. Callum Chambers has been good. Uh, All these people have done done okay, but I think there's just too much that's trying to be changed. Okay, and that's a fair criticism. Simon, all right, let's move on. I asked you this last time. You obviously had a chance to take a look at Fulham when you watched them play Manchester United. What Fulham players concern you most in the match? I'm assuming you have to start with Mitrovic. Always start with Mitrovic um, because he's a pain um, and he's a good footballer. Uh, Look, what I should say to start off with is Saints have an unnerving knack of losing to bad sides. So if you're going to get a positive result between now and the end of the season, this could be it. Um, <laughs> I think I think Babbles looked good since he's come in, which has surprised me. Uh, obviously, Kearney and Cessny on coming back yep. outside if they're retained and and given the ability to, to go forward, they concern me because they're very, very good players and I don't understand why they went in the first place. So that they, I think Fulham have the attacking 
capabilities to hurt Saints if they can pull it together. Okay, very good. All right, let's quickly through matchups. Fulham's attack versus Southampton's defense. Who do you give the uh, advantage to? Uh, marginally Fulham's attack because Southampton's defense has not looked steady enough. It has at times, but not at others. It, it seems a psychological thing. Uh, it has been a problem all season. Okay. Let's flip it. Southampton's attack versus Fulham's defense. Can I just say I'll give it to Southampton? I know you haven't scored <laughs> that many goals, but Fulham's defense is terrible. I was going to say, let, yeah. If Saints, don't, <laughs> if Saints don't at least score on Wednesday, then something's gone horribly wrong. Um, <laughs> I'd love to know the statistics of just the, the combinations of the defense because every time I look at the lineups, it's just completely different, it feels like. Yeah. And, and the results have been inevitable. Um, yeah, and I've, I've not really rated Adoy. I don't know if Lamar Sand will be involved. I don't rate him. I think Christie is a good championship player. I'm not seeing enough from him in the Premier League to think he's any good. Norbite wasn't very good at West Ham. Reem's a good championship player, as is Brian. I mean, look, you look yeah. at these players. Too many championship players. If Mawson was playing, I think he's a very, very good defender. Well, I was going to ask you about him, Simon, because uh, Emilio Danello actually had a commentary on this. He was on Love Sport. And he actually said that he believes that Fulham's fortunes defensively went down when Mawson went down again because Fulham were starting to get better defensively, and Mawson was a big part of that. So they might have, you know, again, that might be a factor in all of this. Yeah, I think he's a good player. I mean, there's a reason he's called up for England. Uh, there's a reason that a lot of big clubs were looking at him. I've got to say, I was surprised when he went to Fulham ahead instead of them, but maybe those options didn't come to fruition in the end. He seems like a good character. He's a good player. Uh, he's he's good in both boxes. So, yeah, it, that may well be a point. It, that might well have... I was going to say the final nail on Fulham's coffin. You're not down yet, but right. you, you need to win on Wednesday, don't you? Absolutely, Simon. All right. Quickly, central midfield battle. You've already talked about how good the uh, Southampton midfield is. Who do you give the advantage to? Southampton, but Edria, I, I think... I, <laughs> It's hard to know what combination that um, Ranieri is going to go with. Um, I think in, the strange thing is, I think Kearney and Seri would, and maybe even Chambers would get into Southampton's midfield. Uh, maybe not all at the same time, obviously, but right. they. But I just don't see them as they're just not on the game at the moment as a team. Chambers, I'm interested to see what kind of reaction he gets because uh, he left Southampton and at the drop of a hat in 2014 for supposedly bigger and better things and with respect he's been relegated with Middlesbrough and he's had some pretty other well he's not he's not exactly come on leaps and bounds right um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of reaction he gets because it's not always greener on the other side no alright my friend who was the coaching advantage this one's interesting well uh, you'd think it's Ralph Hasnuttle. Um yeah. things didn't go well yesterday uh, against Arsenal at Arsenal um, as I said, the first rumbles of criticism, but he uh, had two weeks, near enough two weeks, working with the team with the side at the FA Cup in Tenerife, drilling them on what he wants. And I thought that was going to bring a better result, certainly a better performance than it did uh, on Sunday. Um, but, uh, and, and Ranieri just seems to be muddling through. I mean, when I heard the chance of you don't know what you're doing, singing Ryan Sessignon's name at the Man United game, I, for me, that was when the game was up. So now it feels yeah. like a matter of when rather than if he's, he's fired, sadly. Okay, very good. All right. Let's go into my section of uh, predictions. First, I'm going to ask you, 
What does Southampton need to do to win this match? Uh, stay compact at the back and just pick holes in Fulham's defence. Because if you can't pick holes in that defence, then Southampton are going to really struggle for the rest of the season. Okay. Let's flip it. What does Fulham need to do to win this match? How can they beat Southampton? Well, Southampton have had a really poor home record over the last two and a half years. I mean, really, really poor. It wouldn't surprise me if it's the worst in the Premier League over that period. Uh, and as a result, the fans, as great as they are, are quicker to turn than most. Um, so if Fulham can get in their counter-attack and get an early goal, they can change the mood of that place quite quickly. Um, and it's having been there as a fan myself, as a season ticket holder when we went down in 2005, I know how hard it is to turn that ship around because it's not an atmospheric place necessarily. Um, a bit like Craven Cottage, when the time, good times are good, yep. the, the place is bouncing. But when things go down, it's like, well, what is this? And it's, it's, there's, there is, there's not that hardcore supporters to drag them forward. Um, so, yeah, if you can get the Saints fans and Saints players frustrated, I think Fulham have got a good chance of getting a positive result. Wow, very interesting. Okay. It's time for your prediction. You got the prediction right last time, and so I'm kind of hoping you lean towards Fulham. I'm just kidding there, Simon. I am going to. Really? Okay, fantastic. What's your prediction for this match? Well, I'm going to predict Fulham to win 2-1. because. Wow. Well, uh, I've spent the whole episode saying how rubbish Saints are and how like <laughs> I, Saints haven't been as bad as everyone thinks they are. But okay. at the same time, our last home match was a loss to Cardiff, a Cardiff side whose next game they lost 5-1 at home to Watford. This is what we do. We have lost home and away to Cardiff. Wouldn't surprise me if we lose home and away to Fulham. Okay. It also wouldn't surprise me if we stay up because that's the kind of basket case club that we are. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm intending to go to the game, so I hope my prediction is incorrect, but I, I'm going Fulham 2-1 win. Okay. Well, my prediction was going to be different. Simon, you just inspired me. I'm going to, I'm going to join you. I'm going to say two to one to Fulham. I can't believe I'm going to be predicting Fulham the way they've been playing. But uh, something you said just actually just reigned true with me about what's been going on with Southampton. So I'm just going to – can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say two to one to Fulham. Listen, Simon, please uh, feel better soon. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Not a problem, and uh, yeah, nice chat. I, I wish you luck for the rest of the season after after Wednesday night, and hope there's some, at the very least, some memorable afternoons and evenings between now and the end of the season. Thank you, Simon. I appreciate that. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Cottage Talk. For my guest, Simon Peach, my name's Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, Summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Industry leading. Difference making. Tomorrow shaping world-changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out. Join us, and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career too. Explore technology careers at deloitte.com slash techcareers. 
and make an impact on business, technology, and society while engineering your future. At Deloitte. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.